0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You can wrap this one, my friend, in maroon and white. Ten seconds, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! Bingo! You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. It's Wednesday night. You know what that means. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad. My good friend, Rhino, running the show for me down there in Studio X. Rhino, you're not going to announce your retirement mid-show like other people do, do you, are you? No. Very good. That's good to know. It's good to know who's here with you. You know, sometimes you come into a show and you've got a plan, and you're like, all right, we're going to talk about this and this and this. And then something happens, and you got to change all that. And I, I had kind of had to come up with a plan tonight because Mississippi State is playing basketball at the same time, we're on the air. That's why I'm not at the Humphrey Coliseum tonight. State trailing uh, Tennessee uh, eight to seven at the first media timeout. Uh, Tolu Smith already uh, a couple of buckets for him. And I was going to try to you know work in some football and you know, try to do this that, and the other. And then Nick Saban just decides, oh no, I'm going to retire on you. And uh, you got to you got to you got to you got to talk about him for a minute, regardless of this, this is a Mississippi State radio show. There's no getting around the fact that, that the the retirement of Nick Saban is a seismic event in the sport of college football. College football is now different than it was 24 hours ago because its greatest coach has retired. Here's a painful statistic for you. Well, you may not have you may not have known. It may feel like 101, but Nick Saban was 24 and one against Mississippi State combined at LSU and Alabama. One loss in 2007. His first year at may lost to Sylvester Croom, 17-12 in uh, Starkville. Everybody remembers that game. That's a Bulldog fan. Uh, so n- one of state's greatest foils uh, has finally retired. Uh, and, of course, it does happen to uh, coincide with the first year that Mississippi State won't play Alabama since the 1950s. So no, one, one way or the other, they were they were done with Saban, I guess. Um there's just no getting around the fact that everybody in the SEC is looking at this and saying, "Okay, you know, in a 12-team playoff era, Alabama just took a hit because whoever they bring in, be it Dan Lanning, Steve Sarkeesian, Kalen DeBoer, or Lane Kiffin, he's not as good." I you know. I think those were four great coaches. I just I just listed. But none of them are as great as Nick Saban. So Alabama, you know, and one of the things we've said for a long time with Alabama is that when Saban retires, the first couple of years, everything will probably be pretty normal with them. They're, they're going to be an 11-12 win regular season team, maybe 10. And then, you know, by year three, the cracks start to show a little bit, and they, you, you see Alabama for the first time since Saban's first year have a season where they have more than, than two losses. You know, and I mean, when you're talking about a down year being nine and three, I mean that's something. But that might be where the, where they are. I, I think that back, uh, Saban did lose three games one time uh, in 2010. He lost, he lost with, with arguably his most talented team. I've always, I've always thought that was one of the weirdest things. For Mississippi State, I mean, <sighs> Saban had done a good job through the years of coming in and getting Alabama, Mississippi kids out of out of here and to go to Alabama. Most recently last week when uh he plucked Daniel Hill out of Meridian. I do wonder now, and I this is pure speculation, guys. Don't don't quote me. Don't say I'm saying that this is gonna happen, but you know, you had the uh the receiver, the five star receiver from Alabama, Ryan Williams. He just decommitted. He talked about how he, he you know, Coach Saban was a big part of his recruitment. So obviously Coach Saban didn't let on to Ryan Williams that he was about to retire. I wonder if he did with Daniel Hill. I wonder if that would open up Daniel Hill to possibly not wanting to be at Alabama. I guess it depends on who Alabama brings in. And make no mistake about it, in this day and age of the transfer portal, the transfer portal is now open for Alabama players. They have 30 days. to, If they want to transfer out, they can. Alabama cannot afford to dawdle on this one. I would expect they have a new coach by this time next week. I, my guess is when we, we do this show next week, we can talk about Alabama's new head coach. Because they, they can't allow their roster to be poached and plucked apart. So, it's something, though, you know, and obviously when Bear Bryant retired, uh, I was uh, five. So, I don't have the same, you know, I don't have the same, you know, memory of it or anything like that. But I assume that for my dad, who, how old would my dad have been when Saban retired? Or when Bear Bryant retired? He would have been... Oh god. Excuse me while I do some math. He would have been 41, so he's younger than me. I wonder how you know what his his thoughts were. Ah, I wish I wish I could talk to him. I I wonder what his thoughts would have been when that happened. Because Bear Bryant sort of loomed the same specter over uh college football that Nick Saban has. So I don't know. It's 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 something. I'm I'm glad, I'm very glad we were on the air when it happened. I would hated, I would have hated for it to have happened like around noon, and we had to spend the whole day sort of building up to it. The, the, the I thought the organic nature, if we were just talking about terms of radio here, I thought the organic nature of our conversation, we were just having a talk on the fly. I haven't had all day to think about what I was going to say, to make whatever jokes I was going to make. I had to do everything on the fly. I thought that was much better radio, so... If you're listening Nick, if you're an avid thunder and lightning listener, appreciate you making that during our, our our time on the air. That was very nice of you. Um For Mississippi State, I mean, it's it's just in a 12 team playoff era, Mississippi State is a team that can find its way into the playoff. Not next year. Don't don't mistake that. Not next year. But down the road with Jeff Lebby, I believe they can be a playoff caliber team. They can be a team that, you know, has an up year in their cycle and gets into the playoff. Having one less, you know, team on your schedule that you're just confident you cannot beat under any circumstances is helpful. And Ole Miss fans should feel the same way. Kiffin hadn't been beating Alabama. When's was the last time Ole Miss beat Alabama, 15 when Freeze was there? Yeah so getting that game more manageable now in the SEC there's really only one team that you just say okay if they're on the schedule you're probably not beating them that's Georgia everybody else on the schedule isn't as scary today as they were yesterday everybody else is saying that about Alabama I should say you know if you're Auburn you're like if you're, gosh if you're an Auburn fan if this was an Auburn podcast and I was the Auburn guy I mean it would literally be like ding dong the witch is dead This is an unbelievable moment in the sport of college, uh, college ball. You never want to follow a le- legend, but Lane Kiffin is the kind of guy to think he can do it. I think all coaches are, though. I don't think Sarkeesian or Lanning is looking at that going, I don't know. If Alabama comes calling, you're, you're answering the door. As I said on the show, the only coach in the country who I think would just come out and say not interested is Kirby Smart. And obviously Harbaugh, but I think Harbaugh's headed to the NFL anyway. Everybody else is, and they're gonna pick up. The phone. Ryan Day picks up the phone. Lincoln Riley would pick up the phone. Uh, Sarkeesian will pick up the phone. He'll talk. He'll 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 gauge everything. So, guy ah, from Super Talk News, Alabama. Nick Saban retires from college football with a forty-two and four record against Mississippi teams. So he lost to State once and Ole Miss three times. So two under under. Uh, freeze and I guess he lost one to to who I guess he lost when he was at LSU to Cutcliffe one year I think that's correct yeah gosh now I, I, now, now they got me interested did they do the math for USm do they do the math for USm I'm not seeing I don't know I know he he, he, he I know he beat usm a few times too though so Just a huge day in college football. Literally the biggest thing that could have happened today in college football. The only other thing that could have possibly topped it would be the NCAA coming out and saying, hey, we're vacating Michigan's title one day. That's literally the only story that could have been any bigger than this. Even Kirby Smart leaving Georgia wouldn't be as big as this. So not be very popular. I always respected Saban. I, I you know, maybe it's because you know, in my time out Al- going to Alabama, I never had a run in with a fan or anything like that. And I've I've seen state win there, but I I, I always respected Saban. And I always thought he told you basically told you like it was. Uh, he didn't take a lot of crap, which I you know that's fine. Uh, Would have li- I never got the chance to to actually give him, ask him a question or interview him. I, I that's a regret. I got I got a question in, in on Spurrier once but never got one on, on Saban, So Much different day here in the SEC. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what year one looks like under Jeff Levy. That's the focus of tomorrow's Thunder and Lightning podcast, but I wanted to bring it here too. I think it's interesting. And, yes, we're going to make some old Miss comparisons. It's the way it's got to be. Back in just a minute. This is Thunder and Lightning live here on Super Talk Mississippi. talk, Mississippi. Let's go, let's go, let's go! Where were you the day Nick Saban retired? I was right here in the Starkville studio. Doing sports talk Mississippi and now thunder and lightning. I'm Brian Haydad. This is Super Talk Mississippi. Rhino's down there in Studio X. If you are a person who missed the uh, the show tonight, and I, I assume there's going to be some that do, because Mississippi State, as I said, playing basketball uh, as we speak, they are now at the 10 minute mark. State with a 15 to 11 lead on Tennessee. They've already given up five offensive rebounds in that in the first half. That was a huge problem for state on Saturday against South Carolina. It's a problem again right now, but they do have the lead. Uh, Tolu Smith seven points already, three for three from the field, and then a free throw. Uh, very good for him. Um. So we had a question. If if you're a Thunder and Lightning podcast listener, oh, my point was this this show is available on the podcast feed. I, I got away from myself there. Uh, we had a question on the Wednesday podcast where we do the rumblings. If you guys are a listener, you know that's where we take questions off of Twitter and answer them. And somebody made the, the asked the question about, you know, we've, we've said that the defense, we don't have high expectations, but is it wrong to have, or are we setting the expectations too high for Levy offensively in year one? That's a good question. It's a solid question. But at the same time, I thought that the answer is no. I think that you, you are okay to have good high expectations for Levy your one now I'm not saying to expect Mississippi State to have a top 10 offense next year but I, I am saying that I expect Mississippi State to have maybe a top 30 to 40 offense next year and of course if you look at Levy's track record maybe I should expect top 10 but I, I definitely think that you're gonna see a huge jump uh, from what Mississippi State was this year to what what they were uh, what they're going to be in 20 uh, 24. State was 107th in scoring offense this year and in total offense. Let me do some quick uh, adjusting here. Not going to be much better, though. I'll just go ahead and tell you the answer to that question. Uh, 103rd. So they actually were better. Um, and so it got me to looking at year one for Levy when he was at Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin coming out of you know the Matt Luke era. So in Luke's last year at Ole Miss, his offense was ranked 81st in scoring offense. They were averaging 26 points per game. The next year, with the players they had on the roster, no transfer portal in 2020, Tiffin didn't flip that roster. He played the hand he was dealt, and they were third in scoring offense. They averaged 39 points a game. They averaged They got two more touchdowns a game out of that offense with the same players. And granted, they made a quarterback change. They went from John Rice Plumley to Matt Corral, which was the right move. But other than Kenny Yaboa, who I think was a, a, you know, a he was one of the guys, not transfer portal wasn't really a thing. He transferred and he got eligible. As he did. State has a guy like that on this year's roster, by the way, and say Traore, Triore. Guy that everybody, you know, said was going to be a big time tight end for Mississippi State. He'll get his opportunity next year. They went from 81st to third in one year. And obviously, that, you know, they went four and five in the regular season, won their bowl game, they got a game canceled. That's also 39 points per game on an all SEC schedule. I went back and looked. They would have averaged over 40 points a game had they played their non-conference. They would have had an FCS team. They played a Baylor team that went 2-7 and seven that year in the Big 12. That was the year before Baylor turned it around and beat Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl. They probably would have put up points on them. They played UConn. They were going to play UConn and Georgia Southern. Don't tell me Ole Miss isn't averaging 40 points per game, 41, 42 points per game on that schedule. And they did this with a scoring defense that was 119th nationally and 127th in total defense. In case you were wondering, in 2020, there were 128 teams. So Ole Miss was second to last in total defense. And yet they still, had they played their non-conference schedule, they would have gone 8-4. and four. You look at their schedule, the way they lost. They lost to Arkansas, LSU, Alabama, and Florida. I don't think they were supposed to play Florida ahead of time, so uh, so switch that out for whoever they might have gone nine and three. I don't know, but it was an instantaneous turnaround. Now I don't think State is going to have that kind of instantaneous turnaround. The schedule is much more difficult, and I I know I'm saying that <laughs> with them having non-conference games, but State's conference games are incredibly difficult. They play Georgia and Texas and Missouri. And Ole Miss, all four of those teams won eleven games last year, at least eleven games. So going to be it's going to be you know I mean right there is probably four losses. And yeah, I'm not conceding the Egg Bowl today, but I'm just telling you, you and I, we're all smart enough to know that Ole Miss is a favorite in that game as we sit here today on January 10th. That game's in Oxford. Ole Miss is probably a 10 to 11 point favorite if I had to guess but the, the but the immediate turnaround of their offense from i mean you guys remember Matt Lukes last year all they had really had was John Rice Plumley running the football they couldn't throw they weren't doing anything dynamic they just you know occasionally John Rice Plumley would get loose for a long run the next year they were immediately immediately better so i think if you're a Mississippi State fan you got to look at that and say okay this is a a, a a coach who his offense can be immediately better, and you have to say. I think you can say. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I think you have to say. I think State's defense will be better than 119th in scoring in scoring defense. If State's defense is 80th and their scoring offense is 35th, they're going to a ball game. They're going to go to a ball game in year one under under. Jeff Levy. If the defense's number is 70th and the offense is in the top 30, might, might be looking at seven wins, might have a chance at eight. But I definitely see, see just, from the, just from Levy's career path that he is a guy who can come in and immediately improve the offense to the point where bowl eligibility in year one is 100% on the table. You know, Matt Corral... Huge arm, but had not put it all together at Ole Miss. He comes in, Kiffin, Levy, off and running. One of the best quarterbacks in the country his two years at Ole Miss, those last two years at Ole Miss. Dylan Gabriel has put up monster numbers every year of his college career that he was playing under Jeff Levy. So I feel like Levy, I I feel like I'm not asking a whole lot here to to say that Jeff Levy can it can turn around this Mississippi State offense in year one? You know, Blake Chapin, is, is. I don't know that he's going to be as good as Matt Corral. They don't have the running back depth that that Ole Miss had that year. You remember Ole Miss had Ely and and Snoop Connor, and I, I think was Henry Parrish on that team. I know, you know, and of course Corral was a big runner for those guys as well. At receiver, I mean Elijah Moore was a four star kid coming out of high school, but nobody. Knew, knew what he was going to be. Nobody knew that he was about to embark on the greatest season a receiver ever had in Ole Miss history. So I certainly think that one of State's receivers can be, and again, I'm not saying they're going to catch 80 passes this year, but can be a all-SEC candidate caliber receiver in the levy offense. Similar to the same way it was under Mike Leach is that you just knew there was going to be one guy who would catch 50, 60 passes and have seven or eight touchdowns. and. and you could be a, I'm an all-SEC guy. The volume of, of, of catches is just going to be available to them. State needs to find another running back. There's just no getting around that. Pittman, Keevon Lee, Johnny Daniels, I mean, that doesn't strike fear in anybody's hearts. They, they need another guy there. So that's going to be, you know, when you look at the second half of the portal season, when we get to April, that's when you're going to have to start seeing some guys uh, up on your radar as far as that goes. I will say this, and, and you know, I, I, we don't need to play the song, Rhino, but State, you know, picking up another commitment this week with Jacoby Jackson, they have really gone out and, and found guys in the portal on the offensive line. Four guys who I think will be potential starters for Mississippi State. I, I would say McCalin Pounders is a probable starter. I think Ethan Minor is a probable starter. And then Marlon Martinez and Jacoby Jackson will have their opportunities to be starters. State has, has done a good job, and if you're good up front there, I mean, some of the other things can take care of themselves. A good offensive line can turn an average running right back into a good a good running back. You give an average quarterback time to throw, he can look like a really good quarterback. I don't think Shapin's an average quarterback. I think he's above average. He might be good. He was good when he's got the chance at Baylor before he got hurt. If he stays healthy in this offense, you know, he should pile up numbers. That Ole Miss team was terrible defensively, but they they would have been an eight win team if we had not had the COVID schedule. There's, there's just no getting around that fact for me. Mississippi State can do the same can do some similar things if some guys step up on the offensive side of the ball. College football these days, guys, it's about scoring points. Days of, of, you know, I know we saw a 7-3 to three game last year, but we're, that's not going to be the norm by any stretch of the imagination. Levy and the way he does things, that's the new norm in college football. We'll see if Mississippi State can, uh, can do that. All right, we'll update some more from the hump, and we'll talk a little bit more college football when we come back. This is Thunder and Lightning Live here on Super Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. If they call a celebration penalty on this, I'll shoot them. Thunder and lightning here on super talk mississippi i'm brian haydad thanks for spending part of your wednesday evening with me if you're uh balancing me and the uh, the basketball game you know but if you're not mississippi state getting it done right now in the first half against tennessee they lead the volunteers 30 to 18 at two and a half just two hours two minutes 46 se- two hours two minutes and 40 seconds left uh, in the first half, they're in a media timeout right now. Tolu Smith leading the Bulldogs, twelve points. It's no surprise there. Josh Hubbard with nine. Uh, nobody else was more than three for State, but they're playing really well right now, and would be playing would probably be doing a lot better uh, if they were able to rebound. They're minus seven on the boards, as I mentioned earlier. Now eight offensive rebounds for Tennessee, so they're getting some second chance points uh, right now. But they've also State's also forced eight Tennessee turnovers. And they'll have the ball when uh, play resumes there at the hump. So 30-18 to 18, uh, Mississippi State. So I mentioned Jacoby uh, Jackson <clears throat> Excuse me, co- committing to Mississippi State earlier this week. Four offensive linemen, a couple of receivers have committed to Mississippi State. Obviously Blake Shapin uh, committed to Mississippi State. A couple of tight ends, the Ball brothers, uh, Justin and Cam, committed to Mississippi State. They're still looking for a running back. But offensively, the transfer portal has been very good to Mississippi State. Uh, these these past this past month and a half, you can't say the same defensively. Now, state did pick up a, a four-star defensive lineman transfer from Auburn. Wilkie Denode uh, committed this past week, but by and large, there's been a lot of misses on that side of the ball. Stone Blanton, Denode, couple of, you got a couple of guys. You know the, the Kapaka from uh, from Purdue. Um, I forget the other guys. Oh, uh, Bingley Jones from North Carolina. Both those guys. I mean, you're, you're basically, you're, people would say they're recruiting for depth there, and I would say to that, why are you recruiting for depth? Why are you recruiting backups? You want to recruit guys who can come in and start. I don't think either one of those guys fit that bill. Blanton does. Deneau does. So we'll see. This is the, the discussion. I, I think we had it a few weeks ago. Let's have it again, though, about because I think people just misunderstand NIL. You have a lot of people who, you know, I've been saying for the past few weeks in Mississippi State, has been, you know, has done well in NIL. They've got their 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 collective funds up. They did a a, a huge matching donation recently and they're they're sitting well above, you know, the 10 million dollar mark at this point. So why aren't they getting players in? Oh, they must not have any money. Guys, just because you have money doesn't mean you can uh just buy anything you want when there's just one of something in the world. And in this case, that something has to be agreed upon to for you to have it. So, yes, State has the money, and they, they would be willing to offer the money. But defensively, a lot of the top players that are available, they see Mississippi State. They see a defensive coordinator who's never been a defensive coordinator before. And I know people go, oh, he was the co-defensive coordinator. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Don't insult your own intelligence. You know what I mean. You've got a couple of other guys with not a lot of ties in this state and not a lot of, apparently didn't bring a lot of ties with them from their previous jobs. And then you have David Turner, who has at least you know been able to get some guys to visit. State can't even get guys to visit. You know, if you get somebody to visit and you can sit down with them and go, by the way, we can offer a substantial NIL package, maybe you get their attention. Guys don't even want to visit state. And I think part of that is because Hutzler, Coleman, Coleman Hutzler, is just an unknown commodity. And if you're a guy who's a one year player, do you want to put your your career in that, in that guy's hands? You don't know anything about him. Totally makes sense to me. So, when you see the offensive side of the ball doing well, it's because Jeff Levy has he knows what he's doing. And people, quarterbacks and receivers, and start to of say, "Okay, Jeff Levy, that guy he he scores points everywhere he goes." Yeah, I'll go play for him. Cody Kennedy was a Broyles Award finalist just a couple of years ago. Then Kendall Browles leaves. And Dan Enos comes in, and people are down on Kennedy. Why? Should be down on Dan Enos. The guy can't coach. Cody Kennedy comes to Mississippi State, and all of a sudden they've got four quality offensive line transfers. John Cooper comes in, and he's able to help get one of those guys, an Ethan Miner from North Texas. So it's not surprising that you're having success offensively and not defensively when you consider the reputation that Jeff Levy has versus the unknown The Coleman Hutzler is. So what Hutzler needs to be able to do is take, sort of do what we were just talking about, right? D.J. Durkin, his first year on campus at Ole Miss, had to kind of deal with the hand he was dealt, and they were not good. They were not good defensively. The next year, when he had built in some connections and people knew a little bit more about him there at Ole Miss and, and people saw that Kiffin was going to get things going at Ole Miss... They were much better. They got a couple of transfers. They, they A couple of their players improved. I mean, Sam Williams in 2020 wasn't what he was at the end of 2021 when he was the best pass rusher in the country. So I think there just needs to be – and, I, and I, look, I, I know. I know I'm the one telling you, like, we're going to be patient here. I don't know. I'm just saying that for Mississippi State, in year one of Jeff Levy, the defense might struggle. And if it struggles too badly, don't don't ever forget Dan Mullen, his first year, hired Carl Torbush as his defensive coordinator, and at the end of his first year, let him go. Said the heck with it. I can't I can't tie myself to this guy. He's not getting the job done. So that could be a possibility if it doesn't if it goes really badly. But the chances are much greater that Coleman Hutzler and his staff come in. State's not great on defense, but they score enough points to go to a bowl game. And then in year one, you bring in some quality. After year one, you bring in some guys from the transfer portal because they know a little bit more about you. They just don't know anything about coleman Hutzler. Don't forget that when coleman Hutzler was hired, the first thing I said, I talked about this on Sports Talk Mississippi, the first thing I said was, who? I follow college football pretty closely. I, I, I feel like I have a good handle on college football, and I had no idea who that guy was. And then I reached out to a friend of mine who covered Alabama and he's like, yeah, I don't know a whole lot about him. The guy who covered Alabama, it's like never really spoken to him. So, you know, maybe there's going to be some learning some 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 learning curve. Maybe there's going to be some uh some some growing pains, all right? And that's also when you hire a first-time head coach, sometimes this is what you got to deal with. You dealt with them all. I'm telling you right now. I keep saying this. And I again, I I, like the, I don't know why I keep quantifying my remarks. The hell with it. I'm just going to say what I say. There's just a lot of similarities between what we're seeing right now with Levy and Mullen's first year. There's just a lot of similarities. And those similarities go over to Ole Miss, too. Remember, Mullen's first year, Ole Miss was preseason top ten, top five in some polls. Ole Miss will be preseason top ten, top five in some polls this year. There's a lot of similarities. Is it going to end the same way? I have no clue. I'm just telling you, as we sit here right now, that's where it is. They're at the half uh, at, at the uh, the Humphrey Coliseum. Tennessee hits a, a, a buzzer beater to cut the lead to 13. 35-22, Mississippi State with the lead. Josh Hubbard and Tolu Smith leading the Bulldogs, leading all scores with 12 points each. Uh, State, minus nine on the boards. Gosh, if they could rebound, they would be dominating this game. State holds Tennessee, who's a really good team, to 33% shooting, 15% from behind the arc. The Vols have missed uh, three free throws as well as has Mississippi State. That's about as good a first half as you could have asked for, for the Bull, from the Bulldogs. To be up 13 points on, the, on a top-ranked team like uh, Tennessee is pretty impressive. And we had a lot of people, and we talked about on the show about there being a, a fishy line uh, with this game. State was only a two-and-a-half-point underdog, and we were like, what's up with that? Well, maybe Vegas did know something. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Obviously, another 20 minutes to play Tennessee will come out. They're going to they're gonna fight back. But State is playing about as well as we could. Somebody who's watching the game, y'all are literally kicking Tennessee's you-know-what. Y'all are dominating this game. We'll see if that can continue in the second half. But the only thing that worries me, and, you know, this is going to be State all year, is that, as I said, Tolu has 12, Hubbard has 12, then nobody else has more than three. Davis has three. He's hit one, one shot. Uh, D.J. Jeffries has two. Shaq Moore has two. Cameron Matthews has two. Jimmy Bell Jr. has two. Trey Ford's o for one from the field. He's the only other person to take a shot. Sean Jones has played, but hasn't taken a shot. So they need somebody else that I just mentioned to sh- to step up in the second half and give them you know tenth eleven points. And if you can get you know it looks like Tolu and Josh Hubbard are well on their way to twenty points, th- then you can work with that and, and find a way to to get the win. But they're playing really well right now. So, huge couple of games here for Mississippi State this week at home. When you have this game and then they play Alabama on uh, Saturday. I, I haven't checked the. Let me see the net. I haven't checked it uh, today. When last the Tennessee fifth, Alabama sixth in the net. The next game is against Kentucky, who's 18th in the net. So, three straight quad one opportunities for the Bulldogs. They really, really, I could say really for the next 40 seconds. They really need to get one of these games. I don't know if they will or not, but they need to be able to do it. So up 13 at the half, though, 35-22 Mississippi State over Tennessee over at the Humphrey Coliseum. Pretty impressive start to the game for the Bulldogs, for sure. All right, we'll wrap things up on this day where we saw a huge paradigm shift in the sport of college football. Nick Saban has retired. I I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I wasn't expecting that. Back in just a minute. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi let's finish things up here on thunder and lightning super talk mississippi i'm brian hey dad rhino has he has not retired i appreciate that rhino you you were a man of your word let it never be said that rhino does not a man, rhino is not a man of his work you getting up at 6 30 in the morning on saturday by the way fulham chelsea uh that is definitely on my agenda i don't know that it's going to go all that well for my it, my boys is, is there anything worse than being in the early game, the 6.30 a.m. game and losing. It's yeah, like you just woke up could, for nothing. Yeah, it's like, just like the whole day. It, it, it ruins, ruins the whole day. <laughs> I mean, you can't, though. You can't. You've been awake. You've been into the game. Uh, we're talking soccer here, in case you're wondering. Ah, uh, Let's talk about the elephant in the room. We're going to talk about it a little bit here. Kiffin to Alabama. Is it a possibility? I, would, I mean, he's got to be on the list, right? Be foolish not to say he's on the list. Where is he on the list? It sounds like he's behind Dan Lanning. I don't know if Steve Sarkeesian is a realistic candidate. And I know I'm I know what I'm saying there. Like he is a realistic candidate. I just don't know that I just don't know that he would leave Texas for Alabama. It, it's it's as much of a lateral move as you can have when you're talking about Alabama. <sighs> is he behind Mike Norvell? With Norvell, I mean, if you're Norvell, you're looking at this going, "I got screwed this year." That would never have happened to Alabama. It didn't. Alabama should have been the team that was probably out this year. It would never have happened to Alabama. Maybe you look at it like that. If Alabama comes on, the thing to remember is this: whoever Alabama offers the job to, I would be amazed if they don't say yes. You know, you never find out who the who who, who really was offered the job. But this feels like it's going to be a one and done. They're going to call one person. They're going to say yes, and, and we'll move forward. So is that person going to be Kiffin? <sighs> if Lan- if Landing is indeed the first candidate, he will take that job. Would Kiffin go to Oregon? I feel like Oregon. I feel like Ole Miss has a much better chance of keeping him than against Oregon than they do against Alabama. So if you're asking Ole Brian Haydad what he thinks. Is going to happen, I think, that when we get to uh, the Egg Bowl this year on Thanksgiving night, which I still believe that game will be played on Thanksgiving night, uh, Lane Kiffin will be on the Ole Miss sideline. That's just my my thought process. But it'll be fun to watch Ole Miss sweat for a little, little bit. huh? Eh, that's, that's all we got right now. That's all we got. Ah, still at the half at the Humphrey Coliseum, stayed up 35-22. That's a, that's a really impressive performance for State, especially when you consider how poorly they played uh in the first half or I'm sorry in, in the game on Saturday especially in the second half I am cons- the, the offensive rebound thing concerns me because now it's two games in a row where you're giving up a lot of a lot of offensive boards and this is a team you know with Matthews and Jeffries and Tolu Smith Jimmy Bell they should be able to rebound they shouldn't be getting and I, again I hate using this as a uh, as a a verb but they shouldn't be getting out physicaled the way they, they have been these past, you know, three halves of basketball. So we'll see where the second half takes us. I guess that's about probably probably just as this show's ending, we'll uh then they'll they'll start going back up at the uh, at the hump. Twitter has just been a joy today, by the way. Earlier today, one of my favorite accounts, Message Board Geniuses, if you don't follow them, you should. Uh tweeted out uh Somebody from the Auburn message board rumor has—is it that is it thats that Saban has called a mandatory team meeting this afternoon at four. Could it be possible retirement announcement? Is anybody else hearing this? And then everybody makes fun of him. He was right. He was right on the money. Get that guy to the casino. He had the inside information. By the way, Alabama has made it official. Uh, they have uh, released their statement that uh, Nick Saban no longer their head coach. So good for them. Going to be a fun next week or so. And by the way, let's not let us not forget that everybody thinks Jim Harbaugh is leaving. He's going to the NFL. By the way, the Seahawks have the opportunity to do the funniest thing maybe ever. They just you know, Pete Carroll retired today. That got completely lost, or not retired. He, uh, he he got fired by the Seahawks. That that got completely lost in the headlines. What Harbaugh replacing Pete Carroll would be one of the funniest things ever. But you're about to have Alabama and Michigan open. In January, the, car- the coaching carousel had come to a halt, and now it is spinning full speed. It's at ludicrous speed right now because the Alabama and Michigan jobs will set off, in all likelihood, set off a domino effect that will, will it will end up reaching into the Sun belt. There will be Sun Belt jobs come open because people keep moving up the, the, the ladder. In case you're wondering, I wouldn't put Kiffin on the, the list for Michigan. I just, I, I, we talk all the time about fit that's that's not a fit. Kiffin, I like Lane Kiffin. I think he's a really good football coach. Not a Michigan man. I don't think I just don't think it would work there. So we'll see. All right. So tomorrow on Thunder and Lightning. Future Brian will have you covered on the uh the basketball game. And Robbie and I talk a little MSU football. Sports talk Mississippi tomorrow. it'll be a little sports talk Alabama tomorrow, if I had to guess. We'll talk about Sabin and the aftershocks and everything that's happened here uh, today. Enjoy the rest of the basketball game, and I'll talk to you guys again tomorrow tomorrow on Sports Talk Mississippi and next week here on Thunder and Lightning. For Rhino, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi.